0: Have you ever found yourself on the client conveyor belt where you're just picking clients off of the conveyor belt one after the other, week after week, month after month, and not ever able to actually build any sustainable recurring revenue for the long term? It's feast or famine, and your web design business could... Totally fail next month. Well, I know that I have been in that situation, and my new friend and my guest, Adam, I'm sure has either been in that situation or just desperately didn't want to, and so um, I am excited to have Adam McLaughlin on with me, and I'm going to let him sort of introduce himself. We both specialize in building recurring revenue for web design agencies, so this should be a just a a clash of titans, if I'm allowed to declare myself a titan. I don't know that I am, Uh, but... It should be a a clash of titans talking all things recurring revenue uh, from a web design perspective for two people who I believe have been building a a recurring revenue business for quite some time. So Adam, please introduce yourself. I'd love to hear as much as you want to tell about who you are, what you do now, and you can go right into your background if you'd like to as well. It'd be awesome.
1: Sure. Well, uh, I started my web design agency in 2011. And uh, I looked at the simplicity or the compli- uh, more of looking at the complications that clients have with a website. So once they pay for the website, then they have to pay for hosting, then they have to pay for somebody to update it, then they have to pay for changes. So originally in 2011, I thought to myself, well, what I'll do is I'll build custom websites, but then I'll look after the hosting myself. So that will give my clients one single place they can call um, and I, I'll do their changes, I'll do their updates, all that stuff for them. We'll do a monthly service package which was great, but as you said, we're on the client roller coaster, right? Custom design, you get a deposit, then you lose your revenue till the website's (laughs) finished, then you complete the website, you get a big chunk of revenue, and then you have no revenue until you get the next client. And what I found is that doing custom design, uh, building recurring revenue was a bit of a challenge because the recurring was growing slowly and I still had to sell the custom recurring didn't feel like the solution that I thought it should be and in 2019 everything changed for me and that's what I can't wait to dig into and that's kind of the the premise on buildthatagency.com where I've got all my secrets are spilled uh, and yeah. and I'm looking forward to digging into that
0: Yeah 100% so you've been you've been actually in an agency since 2011 that's when you started doing website design but then you sort of transitioned your model um into the you know into a more robust recurring solution i imagine in 2019 yeah i i completely understand so so just so you know a little bit about me that's our backgrounds are quite similar so when i when i got started i was actually working in the recording industry um recording music i'm a bassist drummer play a little bit of guitar too and um that was primarily what I was doing. And, um, the clients that we had come through for recording sessions also needed a way to promote themselves. And so we would offer them website design packages. And I basically started by doing that. And then we branched out a little bit into doing some work for churches and then, you know, doing some work for businesses. And, you know, the problem with, for me was, well, we would charge. And again, this was like, like, small town country churches in 2007, 2008, you know, for reference where like there wasn't even a lot of language at that point around even offering a service package or a maintenance package or anything like that. It was basically just build the website, hand over the keys. And so I remember this project where we charged like $500 for the project and then built the website Handed over the keys. Guess what? They didn't do anything with it. So now we have a church website. It's not being updated. Well, what happens when it's not being updated, not being managed, not being maintained? Bad things. And so this website had gotten redirected to a porn website. And on Google, it was showing as blacklisted. So here's this little country church in, in, I think it was in Stanley, Virginia. This website is blacklisted and it's redirecting to a porn site. Not a good look. And so... I didn't do anything about it then, but I sort of filed it away, right in my in my in my memory, as this is a problem, and uh, I I wasn't in control; it wasn't my business, if you will. Uh, then in 2015, I started my business, late 2015, early 2016, and I remembered that experience. Actually, it it came up because one of the first clients that I had uh, contact with was that same pastor who six or seven years later or whatever was looking into getting another website. And I had just started my own agency doing it. And I thought, well, okay, whatever happened last time can't happen again. Number one, right. number two, number two, I'm like, well, nowadays, cause you know, that time I'm following all the little influencers and stuff and everybody's talking about, and this almost kind of sounds funny now, but back then they were talking about like minimum, you need to be charging like, you know, 25 to $3,500, For a website. And I'm like, well, that sounds all well and good, but I don't think anybody would give me thousands of dollars for a website. So I was actually a little insecure. And so that led me to sort of my, if you will, sort of trigger moment, like you just described, which was, well, I don't think they'll give me a couple thousand dollars. I don't have anything to prove that I'm worth a couple thousand dollars in terms of building a website, but I bet they'd give me 75 bucks a month right now. That's a low number, but that's where I started. I bet they'd give me 75 bucks a month. And um, I was right. And some version of that has been growing now for the last uh, eight years. And so that that's kind of where it all started. Just realizing that I care more. And give me your thoughts on this um, as we start to dive into this. Because this is something that I say often, and I think it matters. Um, I care so much more about the long-term relationship than I do about the the windfalls the chunks of money here or there and in fact i've even told um some people i'd rather make less money way less money up front and 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 have the stability the recurring revenue than make tons of money up front with no recurring revenue on the back end give me your kind of general thoughts on that
1: yeah, I, I think it's best for your business as the designer, but I also think it's best, well, I should say our businesses as designers, um, but I think it's also best for the client that yeah. you are managing their hosting, that you can look after their website, that if they need updates, that you know if you're using WordPress and WordPress can be updated or whatever software you're using, you know, it gives them a single pivot point. It makes sure that they can send off an email and things get updated for them. So it's not only best for you, but it's it, as the web designer, but it is also best for the client to build long-term stability. Mm-hmm. Now, however, you frame that financially means that everybody wins in the long run. So you know that's that's where it comes down to you know some of the differentials in in how different models like this work.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's one of the biggest items of uh maybe i don't know if i'd say pushback but it was definitely one of the biggest questions i got is okay well yeah sure this is great for me but is this really the best route for the client and i think unequivocally so um this is the best this is the best kind of relationship that you can build with a client because you work together for the long term i mean i have clients that have been my client they've paid me literally every month for basically the seven or eight years now and that just that transaction builds a relationship over time. Of your, you know, they're paying you every month, and they're now. Of course, I don't know how you, um, uh, the way that you teach things goes, and I don't know how much you're, you're you know, you're willing to share here. Certainly, we want to tell people to go share all of it. Uh, grab- all of
1: it. <laughs>
0: I love it. That's awesome. So, 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 just a little bit of brass tacks. We're going all over the place, and that's fine because we're yeah. just getting to know each other. And, um, and I love also the spirit of, um we often in the web world call this co-opetition, right? I mean, like, it literally does not matter to me or to Adam that we're in this, like, we're doing the same thing where if you like Adam's vibes, Adam might talk less than me or quieter than me or whatever, right? And maybe you like that better. Like, go check out Adam's stuff because I'm sure what he's teaching is, is great. So I have a particular model that I teach and I've talked about it other times uh, on the channel. So I'm not gonna uh, belabor that right now because you're the guest. So how do you like to sort of, Um, put it out there? Like how do you frame it with clients in terms of the subscription packages that you're offering?
1: Well, there's kind of two approaches. So one is the custom with the up and down deposits and everything, but you still have to sell every single custom client a management package. It's it's like wrong for you, it's wrong for them, to say, I'm the web designer, I'm the expert, listen to my input, we're not going to put a slider on the homepage, but as soon as the website's live, here's the keys, and you get to be the expert now. Like how, there's there's just such a conflict here. So you always need to say, I'm the expert, I'm going to look after your website. As soon as it gets live, as long as it's live, And you can just ask me, and I'm here to be that expert. So, you know, that's one side of the conversation to build recurring revenue. Um, My preference for sure is to have a specific industry that you target with a service package, a template for that industry that's built with the seven or eight pages that that industry needs, $0 upfront so that clients see it as a service not a product they've already paid for. And why Mm -hmm. am I still getting invoice for a product I've already paid for? So you do $0 upfront as a service and you get that website live. So as quickly as possible. So your onboarding form asks all the questions you need to fill out the template exactly. It's nearly a copy and paste and put in their photos and then make it unique with a color scheme for their business. All of this, we've got our process down to four hours. So a client says, Adam, I want your service package. And it's for a specific industry. Here's the onboarding form. We ask all the questions we need for our WordPress template. And then I can outsource that for, you know, four hours. I can outsource it for a hundred bucks. Somebody's making 25 bucks an hour to do some copy and paste as long as they're familiar with WordPress. It's great money for them. And then we could turn around and charge our clients $149, $199. Two ninety nine a month, so in the very first month we're profitable, and so that is kind of the model that I lean towards. Is not custom work with a lot of you know hours loaded up front, even though maybe that's helpful while you're getting this model going. You know, my first month doing this model, we made two hundred and sixty four dollars, and most people can't live off that. Um, but indeed. If you get this going at X number of clients per month at 200 bucks a month, we'll use 200 bucks because it's easy math. You can see quickly how if I invest 40 hours into a custom website, then it makes X number of dollars. But if I invest 40 hours into 10 templated websites, I've got 10 recurring packages on the table for the same amount of time. So do you want like the, you know, the custom website at $10,000 now, or do you want the recurring revenue at $2,000 a month, which in the first year pays you two and a half times that?
0: Man. Yeah. Well, that that's huge framing it that way. So, um, yeah, this is, this is what I would call, um, I think in my, uh, in my program, I call the basic structure of what you're doing, the fill in the blank model, right? Mm -hmm. Basically the, the template, the, the template driven model of, yeah, you're going to pick an industry or just, you're going to niche down in some way, right? Uh, Industry is typically the most common. Um, You're going to niche down, maybe an industry have sort of a productized offer, a super repeatable process. I mean, four hours. Think about that, right? Like just, if you're listening to that, I just want you to, I just want you to pause, right? I just want you to process in your mind, what would it mean to be able to build a website in four hours, mostly work that can be outsourced, and then you get to go like, you know, drink a coffee or like sit on the beach with a tequila or whatever it is that your jam is, right? While while this is happening. and And you get paid as the business owner for being the marketing mind and all of that stuff, right? For actually like building the system that provides a great experience for the client and pay somebody else to do the fulfillment work. And if you've got it down to a four hour process, boy, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, it sounds great. Right. I mean, that, that's like, now there's, I'm sure there's little nuances here and there that, you know, you know, stuff comes up and you got to learn how to deal with it. But like for the most part, it's a pretty simple framework. So, I mean, I, I love that that's kind of the model that you've gone with now in your, um, in your agency, do you have a specific niche that, that you serve? And is there a specific niche that you recommend for people or, um, do you have any guidelines or anything around that? Or do you think that it's just kind of like whatever works best in, in everyone's situation?
1: Yeah. So what we do is we set up a, an individual brand for each industry we're going to work with. So, uh, like my custom design work is called fresh idea websites, but, our industries each have their own website for that industry so that when somebody Googles, you know, uh, websites for ice cream shops, that they go to the website for ice cream shops and that website is all about ice cream shops. The portfolio is just ice cream shops, mm-hmm. the Images, the content, the pricing, the pictures, you know, the pricing is like single scoop, double scoop, waffle cone for good, better, best. Right. And so everything revolves around that specific industry rather than them landing on, you know, fresh idea websites and then choosing like I'm a coffee shop owner. I'm an ice cream shop owner. I own a bowling alley, whatever that might be. So what I would recommend is setting up a specific website for that specific brand and speak directly to the business owner of that brand. You don't want to look like a jack of all trades. You want to look like we know this thing so well that it makes too much sense for you to not trust us with that.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: So, so that's the first the first step, right? Like you can hire the guy next door. You can hire your cousin, he's built a website for a plumber and one for a restaurant, one for a realtor, but he doesn't really know your industry the way that our portfolio website shows off, you know, 20, 30, 50, 80, 100 websites in that industry. You know, we know this industry inside and out. So, yeah. that's one thing I would say as far as creating the brand, but choosing your niche, I always recommend choosing uh, a segment of a segment. So for instance, you might say, hey, I wanna build websites for restaurants. Okay, so that's a uh, an industry. Now you need to choose a segment of that industry. Okay, I wanna build websites for pizza shops. Okay, great. That's a segment of your industry, but now you need a segment of that segment. Okay, so what are you gonna do? Well, I'm gonna build websites for pizza shops in Ohio. Okay, Mm -hmm. so fun fact, there are 5,000 pizza shops in Ohio. I use this example, and that's actually a real number because uh, round numbers. Okay, so 5,000 pizza shops in Ohio, half of them are franchises. So they're the Pizza Hut's, the Domino's, they don't need websites. Mm -hmm. So that leaves you 2,500 pizza shops in Ohio. Okay. So now, when you're going to pay for advertising dollars, when you're going to cold call clients, when you're going to um, put an ad in a newsletter, when you're going to try and put all of your marketing, you could be a big fish in a small pond by trying to connect with independent pizza shops in Ohio. And you can make a pretty big splash connecting with independent pizza shops in Ohio compared to saying, I'm going to build websites for restaurants anywhere in the entire North America, right? Mm, Canada, US, yeah. Mexico, doesn't matter. I'm going to build websites for restaurants. Well, the problem is the steakhouse restaurant needs a different website than that pizza shop in Ohio, than the French fry shop in Seattle. And all of a sudden, your template is now going to have to be so customized, you might as well be building custom websites. and right. so. What I recommend is a segment of a segment. And so to blab a little bit further, what I would recommend is an industry that you know already inside and out. This could be something that you grew up with. You, You know, if your parents owned a business, your family member owned a business, and you saw the ins and outs of that business, that's a great option. You know, maybe that's uh, golf courses, right? If you, if you grew up and your family business was a golf course, you are in a unique position to speak directly to golf course owners. You know what the supplier's like. You know what the timeline's like. Uh, so that's one option. Another option is to choose something that's just so simple anybody can figure it out. One example of that might be ice cream shops, because basically I'm going to scoop ice cream from a bucket. I'm going to put it in a cone. I'm going to hand it across the counter and collect money. You know, doesn't seem like it takes a rocket scientist to understand the ins and outs of that business. And then the third way, is if you partner with somebody who already knows an industry inside and out. So if they're going to be the salesperson, let's say, You don't know, like, I don't know anything about golf courses, but I think there's a great opportunity in golf courses because if you found a segment of a segment, you could probably make a really good business off 200 golf courses at $200 a month, $40,000 a month. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Did I do my math right? Yes. $40,000 a month. Okay. So now you could split that with a sales guy. So the sales guy is semi-retired. He used to sell sprinklers to golf courses in Ohio. Okay, great. So now you partner with somebody who knows the inside industry. They're the face of the business. They make the sale. They bring the credibility. You execute. They're building recurring revenue for making the sale. You're going halfway on the revenue or some kind of arrangement like that. So, a business you already know, a business that's so simple, anybody could figure it out, or partner with somebody who knows an industry inside and out. And there's so much more that could be said about. All of those. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Dude, no, this is, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was just getting ready to say there's so much there. Like this is easily a three hour Joe Rogan conversation if either of us had the time, but that is, that's incredible. So uh, just a few things I want to like dial in on there and ask you about. So, um, and, and one, I think more important point. Okay. So you glossed over this point, but, um, it's a big point and it's very important for people to understand. Okay. Subscription Math is this is why I teach subscription web design. Okay. Subscription math is incredible because of how exponential it is. And we often think about like it's so easy to think about, you know, $50 a month here, $100 a month here. There's a reason why you join up to these subscription programs, and they're even some of them are only $50 or $100 a month. It's because as the scale grows, those numbers start to look very interesting, very quickly. Yeah. But for the actual, um, uh, for for the end client or student or customer or whatever it is, um, the investment is not that bad, right? It's it's right. really not that bad. So, so think about this: if you're in a hyper focused niche, you know, like the golf course example, I thought was a, a very good one. You know, and you're thinking. 200 200 is not a big number at the end of the day especially if you're hyper focused on a particular niche okay so 200 is is not like a, an unreasonable amount of customers that you could get and 200 a month is not an unreasonable amount of money by any stretch for right. a golf course or a pizza shop or some other kind of restaurant or a, a you know even a a nail you know a spa or something like that it that's not a lot of money for them to pay so the numbers get very interesting very very quickly because you just said and you did do your math correctly $40,000 a month okay it doesn't it almost doesn't even seem like you can get to 40,000 from 200 clients at 200 a month but you can and th- like that's real talk real numbers and i think that you just you said it so fast i didn't want everybody to miss how powerful that is, I mean, that is the power of subscription web design or recurring revenue, whatever whatever your fancy name for it is. That's the power of it, you know?
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing is like, so you're going to sell your first website, let's say it, we'll just use those round numbers again, 200 bucks a month. So um, my goal when I start a new brand is to sell a new website every week. So just one. So you've got mm-hmm. five days to sell a website and execute. Now remember, executing only takes four hours. So we should be able to sell and execute as far as time goes. Of course, there's funnel and pipeline to different industries. You know, some industries are Mm going to be, they're going to hear the model, like a pizza shop, be like, hey, if I sell you know, one new pizza, if I sell an extra pizza every day for you, this doubles, you know, your money and they might go, okay, yeah, let's just go for it. Or let's give it a try and see what happens. Uh, others, like maybe golf courses, maybe there's a three-week lead time where they run it through the manager and the manager talks to the owner and they look at some options or, you know, whatever it might be. But let's say one a week. So in your first month, you could make, if you only sold one a week, 200 times four, $800 in your first month. Again, nobody's surviving anywhere on $800 in the first month, but the second month, you make $1,600 because you have your first month's $800 and your second month $1,600. By month three, you're making $2,400. By month four, $3,200. By month five, four grand. Okay, so now we're less than six months into this. Even if you took an extra week here and there, you missed a sale a couple of weeks, you could be at four or five thousand dollars six months per month, six months into this process. And there is that compounding thing means that you know if you figure out how to make a sale in four hours and then build the website in four hours, you could be working one day a week and making five grand a month in six months and stop selling and make five grand a month after that, right? Because mm-hmm. if you, let's say you then take a take time off, you're not going to do any sales for the next month. You still make five grand. And then the next month and you make five grand and the next month and you make five grand and the next month you make five grand. So now, okay, now I'm getting back into sales mode for the last three months of that first year. Okay, well, that's another 8, 16, 32 every month uh, or 8, 16, 24, sorry, math. Uh, so now you're $7,500 a month at the end of your first year, and you took three months off, and you took some time to figure out how you're going to make your sale every month. You know, it, it. the compounding effect is really underestimated. Now, when you look at putting that same kind of time into a custom website, let's say it took a whole month to make your $10,000 custom website, you could do a custom website every month. Great, right. You made 120000 and you've sold all of those people that same $200 hosting management package. The problem is at the end of your first year, you've now got 12 times two, you've made 2,400 recurring revenue compared to the person who took three months off, worked one or two days a week, and now makes $7,500 a month recurring revenue. So again, Mm -hmm. these are all hypotheticals and, you know, best world situation. But I think the reality is when you see the potential, then even if you miss a month, even if you miss a week, the potential is is long-term and compounding.
0: Yeah. So... Let me ask you this before I, I, I want to go back to one thing on that, but, but, but i want to ask you a question before I forget it because it's an an important one. What are your thoughts? Because this sounds great. Right. And, and, and it's, I, I sort of have the same problem because so for me, and again, we won't get all into it on this episode, but, but for me, I actually do, um, mostly custom work. So I don't even have a templated offering in my agency. And, um, so, like, like I said, I offer this as one of the models that are available to people, and I'll tell them about it, but i don't I don't myself do it. I do all custom work, and the numbers are just a little bit bigger. Um, but building the runway into this and getting started with this, as you can imagine, is one of those big challenges. So one of the one of the things that a lot of my students that that come into the the program are are having is figuring out how to how to get those first recurring revenue things under their belt. Now I I have an idea. I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit because I I have an idea one way with with this, how, how they could do this. Um, but if you have any other thoughts, I'd love to hear that too. It seems to me that if you've got a web design business right now that you're doing, uh, bespoke, right. You're doing custom work every time. So one question is to stop and ask, well, how are you living? Okay. So how are you making it right now? Are you making it on custom work? Are you making it at a full-time job and then doing custom work on the side, trying to build that up? Whatever. Okay, let's just say for the sake of argument that you're making it on custom work right now. You don't have a full-time job to rely on. You're making it in uh, in custom work. You want to transition to recurring revenue, subscription web design, some model like that, and you're having trouble thinking how you're going to do that. Well, I've recommended a few different ways in in my stuff on how to do that, but it seems to me from this conversation, a great way would be don't stop doing what you're doing. Keep offering custom work at your main agency site. And then do what Adam is talking about, right? Find a niche that you would go in that you could go into, set up a separate website just for that niche, start marketing to that niche. And that's where you build your subscription offering while your other offering is paying the bills in the same way that it is now. Um, does that sound right to you? And if you have any other thoughts on that, I'd love to hear them.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I did um, at the beginning of of, uh, 2019 when I decided, hey, I'm going to go all in on an industry, right? So I was was doing custom. I was doing the roller coaster thing. Uh, I was selling those custom websites a package, a a maintenance package. And so what I would say is if you're currently still doing custom, then what you want to do is get into the habit of selling that maintenance package. This will help you come up against the sales conversation about like, well, why would I keep paying for a website if I have paid for it up front? Well, here's the importance of a service package. And so when you are get used to having that conversation over and over, selling the service package just becomes second nature. And so you are building that recurring, but you're also doing the custom work. So that's great. So the other thing to do is to set aside one day per week to build your industry-specific templates. So maybe on the first day, what you're going to do is you're going to research a bunch of industries, figure out what is your segment of a segment, okay? And that might take all day. And, you know, some thought process along the way, a little bit of research, a little bit of how many, you know, how many pizza shops are there in Ohio, for instance. Um, The next thing, you know, maybe the next week, and let's say that's Monday. Next Monday, what you're going to do is you're going to find a domain and build a website that markets specifically to that industry, right? And then the following week, what you're going to do is you're going to cold call five people and get their feedback on on your pricing, on your process, you know, whatever it might be. And so you set aside one day a week. So you're still doing your custom the rest of the week. Or if your custom keeps you busy all the rest of the week, maybe this is one evening a week or a couple evenings a week. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to just go cold turkey. But what you want to do is both things in my opinion, if you're currently doing custom work, is that you keep doing custom, but sell every client a maintenance package in your initial quote, right? Not like, hey, here's your website, it's live. By the way, you should pay me every month instead of that hosting company. Okay, well, why would I pay you every month 200 bucks to maintain the website when I'm paying HostGator 12 bucks a month or whatever it might be, right? Right, So you sell the service package while you're selling custom, and you take one day a week and you assign it to your industry specific strategy. And eventually you've built enough recurring that, and there's enough coming in that you don't have to do custom work anymore. So from, let's see, it would have been late 2019 was the last time I did a custom website. Um, uh, no, I'm sh- no, late 2020. Late 2020 was the last time I did a custom website. So for the last two and a half years, I've just been uh, growing my recurring revenue this way. And so it takes a little time to get out of those peaks and awesome. valleys, but the more focus you put on that, uh, the more you can just relax and enjoy life on your own terms based on knowing exactly mm-hmm. what you'll make next month.
0: Well, that, yeah, I, I totally am here for that strategy. I think that makes sense because, um, I remember when, uh, so I'm a huge like base camp and 37 signals fan. I'm basically obsessed with their stuff. And, um, one of the things they talk about is when they were building Basecamp as a product, you know, they treated it like a client. And so it was about, like you said, it was about 20% of their time was spent on building Basecamp. And then eventually Basecamp, the recurring revenue SaaS product became the thing. And then they stopped doing custom website design work and only had Basecamp the product. And then there you go. Um, you know, right now, it's, it's sort of the same thing. So in our agency, um, my branding is awful (laughs) it just is it's literally terrible and so i'm still i'm still coming off of the brand that i used when i started the business to work on mac computers you know in in 2015 that was what i was going to do and then i transitioned it into web design and the branding stayed the same so my brand has nothing to do with what we offer and i'm real big on descriptive branding so we're actually right now in an initiative to to essentially turn my company into two brands, right? Same company in the, in the, in the back end, but then two brands, kind of like what you're talking about. One of them is going to be more generalist web design. And then the other uh, going heavy into our niche, which is membership sites and, and learning management sites. So a little bit more on the higher end um, of, of the complexity and all of that. So it's, it's basically the exact opposite of what you're teaching people to, to, to do. But that's where I think it's great because, right, you can do either. My only point was that you've got I, like we're treating it like a client right we're treating that initiative like it's a client right. spending ample time on it going through the same process like we would do for a client even though it's for an internal project you know and um and that's just it so gosh there's so much okay so so one question i have for you based on all of this is um do you have a recommended plan for marketing right for for marketing these industry specific sites now okay um let's just assume for this case, cause it's probably going to be accurate that for now, everybody has got one in your segment of a segment niche industry that they're in. Now it sounds yeah. to me like maybe you've got multiple and I have to, I have to admit to satisfy my own curiosity. I would love to hear how you juggle or what the plan is that you go, <laughs> that you do to like juggle multiple things. Cause I got multiple things going on, but let's just focus in on what's going to help the majority of people. What sure. What's the marketing plan? Is it SEO, YouTube, Twitter? What do you think?
1: So the, fastest uh, approach, or the most challenging client is your first client. Because once you get your first client, then you can ask for referrals, you have a portfolio, all those types of things, right? And so once you've said, you know, again, this segment of a segment really helps define your marketing. Because if I say I'm going to build websites for any restaurant in all of North America, okay, where would you start marketing <laughs> for that? You know, yeah. well, there's a podcast for restaurant owners and it's got 40,000 followers every week. That's great. But there's probably also, you know, you're the 47th episode where somebody's gotten on as a web designer who wants to sell websites to restaurants. Okay. What if you are the Ohio pizza shop website guy? Right. Like what if you're that specific? Okay, well, who are the suppliers that are dealing with your existing clients? Right. Somebody supplies Mm -hmm. the pizza pans and the pizza dough and the flour and the, you know, all those types of things. So you could go to a restaurant supply store and ask them if you could sponsor your email list. You could send out mailers. You could cold call because you are so specific. It's not like here's a yellow pages or yellow pages. Wow, how old <laughs> am I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not
0: sure where that Goodness.
1: came from. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just need a minute on that one.
0: Yeah. Recover. It's not like yep. you're Googling,
1: you know, you're not Googling restaurants near me and you start cold calling. You know, you can get very specific. Right. There might only be five in the town that you have to, that you could call. Well, maybe it makes more sense to drop in in person there's already people who are connecting with those businesses specifically. The guy who services the pizza ovens, the, the restaurant supply store that sells the best pepperoni or the best shredded cheese. You know, there's, there might be a podcast for it. There might be like um, a Pizza Shop Owners Association of Ohio, right? So what does it take to leverage those people who've already built your audience and get in front of your audience, right? So I'm here to hang out with you today, not because you just have a podcast about business, but because you've already built an audience of people who are talking about subscription web design. Hey, I've got an online course called buildthatagency.com. What if I talk with Steve and somebody listens to our conversation because Steve's already built the audience and I could provide value to Steve and I could provide value to the audience because you've already Mm -hmm. built it. And maybe somebody listening goes, "Hey, maybe I should go check that out." So that is the strategy. Who is already speaking to your specific segment of a segment, and how can you work with them to leverage the audience they've already built? I think those questions mm-hmm. help you help you get to the marketing part of it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I, I do wonder so. And and I'm so what's interesting about me is I'm like, for some reason, when it comes to this stuff, I'm less of a like one to one relationship builder. Like I've I'm old school direct response. Right. So I'm like, build a list and send them emails. Right. So just to kind of add my two cents to that question, like there is nothing better, man, like all if you ask, if you ask marketer like old school marketing people like what's the biggest mistake you made right when you were growing your business like a lot of times i've heard them what they say is i didn't niche i was generalist right so i know some of you hate niching okay that's okay our mutual friend dustin he like loathes this idea of a niche right niching is like the worst thing in his mind but but if you're willing to do this if you want to do this you can even take the internet marketing look lead how 10 proven strategies that pizza shop owners in Ohio can use to double their revenue in the next six months. Boom. That lead magnet, I promise you, is getting – by the way, if you're selling to pizza shop owners in Ohio, rewind the video and and grab that. I'm telling you, that lead magnet will net you bank because who is going to download that? All the pizza shop owners in Ohio that want to double their revenue in the next six months are going to be downloading that lead magnet. And then they're on the email list. And then what are you going to do? Now, this is a little bit controversial, but it, I it's what I'm doing, and it's, it's working. Email them every single stinking day. If they don't want what you got… They'll unsubscribe. It's fine, right? Now, Not maybe hilarious. you don't, whatever. Like maybe it's, maybe you do once a week or, or twice a week or something. You'd be surprised though. The better relationship, the more they hear from you, the better relationship you build. And so email them every day with specific, just, st- and story-based, like entertainment, like making an email that they want to read. So put out a killer lead magnet, put it out online, run a few dollars in ads to it, put some, again make if you get on you know with somebody else's audience like you were saying like maybe they've got a list of people or somewhere that you can advertise put a QR code to go download the league magnet so now you own that traffic now it's not just theirs right if you're going to do an advertisement in their magazine or or in a storefront somewhere or something man put a QR code with the 10 the 10 things pizza Ohio pizza shop owners can do to double their revenue in the next 6 months and You know what I'm saying? Like do that and put that out there so that you get them on your list so that now you can communicate with them. So there's there's like a multitude of strategies that you can use, but it all gets easier. This is kind of the point I'm trying to make. No matter what you do, Adam said, you do what I said, or you do something else entirely. You start a YouTube channel for pizza shop owners in Ohio. Whatever it is, you can um you can make it work for you and being in a segment of a segment that tightly defined of a niche is the secret sauce that's what's right. going to make it happen right like this is why on my again on my marketing site my lead magnet downloads are just terrible on my on my normal site because it's just so generic right and in fact here's what's crazy the lead magnet I have two lead magnets on my site right now one does far better than the other one. Even though my site is niched generally, my specific lead magnet on how to build a membership site, um, seven secrets or whatever I call it for for membership site owners, that one gets way more downloads, like double or triple than my generic one on five mistakes before your next website redesign, you know, to, to, or whatever whatever it's called. So um, that specificity like drives the marketing. Like you said,
1: otherwise you're just floating around in a sea of
0: confusion, you know, so.
1: Right. And, and the guy who owns, like you, you might say, okay, my segment of a segment is pizza shops in Ohio, but maybe your website just talks about pizza shop owners. Okay. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to say Ohio. It just means that when you decide where to spend your marketing dollars or you decide what suppliers to go after, you're clear in your mind how to be a big fish in a small pond. Not pizza shop owners everywhere. Pizza shops in this little tiny segment. Now, some guy who lives mm-hmm. on some border town in Ohio is going to say, "Hey, I've also got a pizza shop over in Tennessee. Can you help me?" Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's right. No problem. Um, it might be Kentucky. Does Ohio border Tennessee? Oh my goodness! Now I've just now I I've just I geography or math, so I don't know. This, you, you're, this is worse than me do. saying. I it's worse, than me, worse than me saying yellow pages okay <laughs> anyway um, So you know hey I've or I've got a cousin who owns a pizza shop in New York you know can you help him? Absolutely or yeah. you know I was thinking of buying a pizza shop in you know Florida because we're gonna go to Florida and winter there. I'd like to have a pizza shop there. can you help me there? Sure absolutely no problem. So you don't have to decline clients. But when you decide where to spend your marketing dollars, you know, somebody says, hey, I've got a steakhouse. Can you help me? Because you did my cousin's pizza shop. I can, but it's a custom website. And that's going to mm-hmm. be a little bit different of a process than the service-based packages for pizza website because we're so focused on pizza websites. We've already got that system down and in mm-hmm. place, right? So that's, you know, yes, you're you're niching for the purpose of being really, really focused on your wording, on your images, on your marketing, on your opt-ins, on your email follow-ups, but you're not doing it in a way that is restrictive or exclusive from other people who want the service you're currently offering.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And that piggybacks into another um, thing that occurred to me, which is when you're doing a segment of a segment, it seems like your scalability is built in, right? You, because you 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 scale at the segment level, and then you're just choosing a new segment of a segment to go into, right? I think that's accurate. So the easiest example is geography, right? It's a really easy move to go from pizza shop owners in Ohio to pizza shop owners in New York or New Jersey yep. or Tennessee or or wherever, right? Because you're because now you got a whole separate marketing entity that you that you can focus on just in that niche. When you're ready to expand out, I mean, you know, if you, if you just so happen to be lucky enough to exhaust the niche of pizza shop owners in Ohio, cool. Move on to the next state and go from there and just do that. And I'm really bad at like coming up with examples off the top of my head. So if you have one, you're welcome to share it. But it seems to me that you could do the same exact thing in other places too, whatever you choose whether it if you've got a segment of a segment, it seems to me like you can scale at that first segment level and then just choose a new segment of a segment within there. So you don't have to completely, you know, you don't have to scale with pizza shops, you know, restaurants, pizza shops, then to, you know, entertainment, golf course. You don't have to do that. You could just start at the restaurant level and then say, you know, choose another thing. Maybe, maybe first you scaled with restaurants, pizza shops, then you've got, maybe you want to do restaurants, steakhouses right or something like that like you could yeah. you, there is different like no matter where how deep you go there's different ways that you can think about to scale the business without getting into something entirely new there's always options like people think they're going to be so limited by a niche um and i argue that niches bring freedom
1: not limitation right so yeah i would agree and i think that um the challenge and this is why i i hesitate to talk about the fact that we're doing this now in multiple brands because I think for the challenge is that people too quickly decide they want to expand to new brands, okay? <laughs> and and I and I did this from two thousand twenty well twenty eighteen we started kind of talking about how we would do this business twenty nineteen we launched our first website in April of twenty nineteen and I didn't touch another industry until the end of twenty twenty two. And Mm -hmm. so I sat in this industry for three years. Let's just use pizza shops in Ohio, for instance. 5,000 pizza shops. If only 5% of them became your clients, that's 250 pizza shops. Now, if you sold those 250 pizza shops, a $200 a month service package, you're at $50,000 a month. So Mm -hmm. what happens and your portfolio of 250 pizza shops is going to sell itself. By the time the next client calls, they've already decided they want to work with you because your portfolio has sold itself, okay? That's much better than I've got, you know, six different brands in six different industries and each one of them has 10 websites, right? It it Mm -hmm. doesn't quite have the same weight as a portfolio page of 250 websites, you know, just for instance, right? Now, if Mm -hmm. you really kill the industry, forget, you know, 5%, Mm -hmm. If you go for ten percent now you've got a hundred thousand dollar a month business just ten percent of pizza shops in Ohio right And yeah. at that point in time you scale like you could you could scale like crazy right You could drop a new store start expanding quickly. now here's another thought you get to a hundred websites out of your 250 goal. you get to a hundred websites at two hundred dollars a month you've got a twenty thousand dollar a month business. You've decided, I've got a lineup of people. I'm going to go to $300 a month instead of $200 a month. If nobody bites, you still have a $20,000 a month business. <laughs> you can pull yeah. your pricing back down later. If people start to bite that next 150 dollars instead of being $30,000 at $200 bucks a month, right? dollars at $200 bucks a month is $30,000. Now at $300 a month, you're in the like, again, sucks at math. a month for that same bunch of clients and the same service package, Yep. right? So once you start to scale, you start to go, okay, I'm not not making $300 a month at this. I'm not making $2,000 a month at this. I'm making a comfortable income where I can support my business, support my family, support myself. I'm going to put up my pricing. And that is another space where you really start to scale and now we're talking about 45,000 for that second 150 plus 20,000, $65,000 a month and you're still only at 5% of pizza shops in just <laughs> Ohio. Okay? Yeah. Right. So before yep. you start like, "Hey, I've got 10, I'm going to create a new brand for somebody else, you know, a new industry and a new brand." I would really recommend going all in and trying to get 5% of your segment of a segment before you start mm-hmm. to expand.
0: Man, I, I love it. And it's just, I just I feel like I need to underscore that that your point that the niche drives the marketing. I think I'm it's, it's, we are coining that this phrase has been coined. The niche uh drives the marketing. Um, right? It does because yeah. just all, just all the things, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. The more that you dig into a particular niche, the like that's what the platforms want to see. If you could start the YouTube channel for pizza shop owners in Ohio, and guess what? It's YouTube's job to figure out who that is, and they'll go find all the people. You don't have to do that; they'll they'll find it, right? Um, yeah. It's just so just everything about that like makes it. And then of course the portfolio and it sells itself. And by that time, you know the network is the network is just huge. So definitely niching niching into that you know segment of a segment is the uh, is like the big big takeaway from this i think uh, that you can do and obviously the math i mean who can argue with the math right i mean that's absolutely incredible i do have a question that i need to ask before we get off before we get off of here because yeah, people are going to be wondering by people i mean me okay so do you have a uh, a, a term on your contract okay or is this like a indefinite thing, almost like a website rental of some sort or something? Um, how how does that piece work? And you don't have to be ultra specific, but I'd love to know the basics of it because I've had some people ask me. In fact, I think it was the last episode of the podcast. I talked about this idea of does your client really even need to own their website or are they basically going to rent the website? Now, we have contracts, so we do like an 18-month minimum contract, and then you know, we got a whole thing about that that people can go back on the channel and check out. But how do you do that?
1: Okay, so we do 24 month minimum contracts. Um, And it's easy to explain to the person because you're like, listen, you can go to the guy downtown. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know your industry. I mean, he knows what he's doing as far as building a website. He doesn't know your industry inside and out. He's going to charge you $4,000. And then you still are going to have to pay hosting and you might have to do your updates yourself. Or we're going to do it for $0 up front and 200 bucks a month but in order for us to be relatively profitable we have to guarantee you know we can't build you your we just tell them we can't build you your whole website and be profitable in the first month even though we can yeah. but right, um, right yeah you know in their mind they're going okay i'm going to pay this other guy $5000 once up front or i'm going to pay adam $200 a month for 24 months that's going to work out to $5000 so why not lock in for 24 months with adam so we do ask yeah. for a minimum 24 month commitment And it is like a rental or a lease sort of uh, package. And so this is where we drive home. It's like your utilities. It's like your insurance. It's a a service you have for the time you pay the contract. So if you decide, hey, I'm going to close down my business, you've got nothing to show for the electricity you used during that time. You've got nothing to show for the insurance you paid every month during that time. And you're not walking away with a website because you had a service and you paid for the service and we gave you incredible service that brought in new business every single month, but you were paying for a service. And this is where a lot of people think, well, maybe I'll do like a thousand bucks up front and then a service package. And you can, but as soon as you do that, the client starts to see, to think of their website as a product. I paid for the product and now you're maintaining the product And now that I don't want you to maintain the product, you're telling me I can't have the product I bought. Whereas when you do $0 up front, you can always refer back to that. So we'll get clients after four or five years and they'll be like, okay, um, I've decided I'm gonna do the website myself. Great, but what you have from us is a rental or a lease program. And so you'll have to start over with however you would like to redesign your website. They're like, no, 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 I'll just take it over. I've been paying for it all this time. It's like, no, you paid $0 for it, actually. We've just been servicing this website. We built you for free. And Mm -hmm. so you'll see in our contract that this is a a rental or a lease term for a minimum of 24 months. The other thing we do is uh, some designers will get into this idea where, you know what? We're going to do a minimum of 24 months, but I'm going to charge the first year up front because that'll help with my revenue, right? And the challenge is you get to month 13 and now you are reselling your service package because again, the client thinks, no, I paid you 2,400 bucks for this website and now you're going to send me an invoice every month. So I don't like any of that. I like to do $0 up front. We do a monthly service contract. All of our clients renew on the first of the month so that we can budget our business. Um, and we have a 24 month minimum and most clients don't even recognize when 20 month 25 and month, exactly. 27, month 27 hit. And the reality is if you're doing a good job, you're servicing them, you're replying to their emails quickly, then they have no reason to not want your website because it's bringing in business for them, right? Why cut off something that's generating business for
0: I love that. So, yeah, this is a really unique approach. I'm going to have to think about this and a lot because basically what you're saying is, yeah, you're paying for a minimum term, but if you decide to leave, you don't get to take the website with you. You do have to go out and design a new thing. It it does it does go away, and I, I I think again this is kind of what I was getting at in that in the last episode of the podcast. So go back and check that out. And I, I did talk about this. Um, I do think there are some industries where that makes a lot of sense. Now some industries where it maybe doesn't make sense. Um, right. But I think there are a lot of industries where that kind of thing does make sense that the website is basically a line item like a utility bill that they're going to pay for until they stop using it when they stop using it. Okay, cool. But the website is cut off and you go somewhere, you go somewhere else. Um, This is a really brass tax question and I have to go, but I I can't resist asking this question. So I'm going to ask this question and then after I get my answer, I'm going to make sure that you give yourself a good sales pitch to where people can go to find you. And then uh, we will wrap it up. So, my question then is, um when throughout the life of this twenty four month contract, how do you uh, handle the updates and things that if the client needs updates or changes on the website? like i I must know, Adam, come down from the mountain and tell me how you guys handle making those changes. Do you give them a certain amount of hours? Do you make them pay extra? How do you handle that?
1: So what we do is included in their contract is thirty minutes of design time per month. Now, depending on your industry, maybe 60 minutes of design time makes more sense. Um, The industries that we've built out are pretty simplified. And so we're going to do 30 minutes of design time per month. This is included in their monthly contract fees. So one thing I tell them is there's no extra fees for your domain. There's no extra fees for hosting. There are no surprise invoices, 30 minutes of design time per month. Now, you know, somebody might end up using 45 minutes this month and then next month 15 we've yet to like come to the point where we're telling a client they're they've reached their limit because somebody else is uses their design time like 15 minutes once a quarter. So, um, you know, what we do is we say, okay, if we're getting paid for 30 minutes of design time per client, this is our block of time to service those clients. So as long as all of our service lands within 30 minutes times how many clients do you have, then we're good, right? Because we're getting paid for all of that. It rarely comes up. But putting it in the contract at least lets you say, hey, just so you know, we're approaching your 30 minutes of design time this month. It's the fourth of the month. Would you like to consider when you're next time you send changes, just so you know, this would be our our hourly rate, our bench rate or whatever it might be, right? Or gotcha. what I will say is if a client's like really back and forth, like if I'm on, you know, 90 minutes of that month for this client, but they're being polite about it, then what I'll say is, hey, just so you know, you've gone over your 30 minutes this month. We're happy to help. And it's not a concern. You're not getting an extra invoice. But next month, if you needed this many changes, then this would be the price. Right. Now, again, I've for every client who asked for a change, I've got 10 clients who I don't hear for in the entire month. So it all balances out. It's not a concern, but I do want to set clear expectations with the clients that they don't get to email me, you know, three times a week and ask for an hour of changes three times a week.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Right. So basically you build in a certain amount of time and then you're you'll be pretty gracious that first time around. And then it's like, hey, but next month, if this happens again, just FYI, this is what this would have costed. So cool. And most clients go, okay, um, cool. Thanks. Yeah, right. Not a problem at all. They just appreciate it. Right. So just man, keep it again, and it's the relationship, right? All of this works toward building the relationship and working long term. with with your clients. Again, another one of the big things to take away from this, I really do love the idea that the website isn't really theirs, right? Like, like again, and you, you, but but you are living proof that some people don't care about that, right? Like, like, so what, like, let's not, let's not make the mistake of us caring about that so much that we bring it up. Yeah. You own your whatever. No, I mean, it's like any service that you pay for, like when the service cuts off the service cuts off and um, there are all these little, you know, these little nuances, 24 months and, yeah, 30 minutes. I love 30 minutes, right? 30 minutes of, of design time. That's good. We give an hour, but we also charge a lot more. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, it works out. Um, man, this has been so great, so helpful. I know that that my audience is going to absolutely love this. And they're probably going to be begging me to have you back on again very soon. And uh, I would love to do that because I still have most of my questions that I, we just did not have time to answer. So, these were, like, the core things, and I'm super pumped about it. Uh, we obviously know we can go to buildthatagency.com, but where else? Like, what's the best way to get in touch with you and, and find you? And, um, yeah, just plug your stuff, man.
1: Sure. If somebody wants to pick my brain, Twitter is where I love to hang. Oh, X, now, whatever. Yeah, Twitter, whatever Yellow it is. Pages, What Borders, <laughs> Ohio. I'm doing terrible. Yes. <laughs> Come hang out on Twitter. Um, buildthatagency.com is the place where I, we dig into All these things, like how are you gonna choose your audience? We're gonna go deeper into that. Uh, I think I've got five or six videos on how to do that. Um, How to make your sales call and all the common objections. So I've been doing this since 2019. I've heard a lot of sales objections. So here are Mm -hmm. the things you're gonna hear in the sale. Here's how you explain it and so that you're confident going into the sale about what you might hear, questions you might get. And we also dig into how are you going to market to that industry specifically. So everything you chatted about today, everything you asked, Steve, it's in buildthatagency.com. Currently, it's 43 videos. And those videos, I keep adding to them um, when I get new questions or people ask me new things. So hit me up on Twitter, ask me new things. I would love to uh, hear your questions, get your thoughts and, and continue to grow, build that agency.com.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Adam, this has been a uh, complete pleasure and, uh, I'm excited that, uh, to have you on next time for sure. So great to meet you and, uh, and thanks for coming on today.
1: Cool. Thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Hey there, it's Steve, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. You know, one of the biggest questions that I get is, okay, Steve, I'm excited. I love this idea of subscription web design, but I have no clue where to get started. If that's you, go to subscriptionwebdesign.com right now, enter your best email address, and I'm going to send you an exclusive training that I did on the five models of subscription web design that will show you the options that are available to you and give you some things to think about on how to get started. And for a limited time, I'm going to include my contract template for Subscription Web Design. I've been asked multiple times to provide this template and it's usually only available to my paying students. It's a $100 value, but it's yours free. Just go to SubscriptionWebDesign.com and enter your best email address there and I'll send those right to you as well as send you daily email tips from the trenches of running my agency. See you over there at SubscriptionWebDesign.com.